0: Call of Duty. Real soldiers, real stories. The guest today on our podcast is Lieutenant General Manwendra Singh, Param to Seva Medal, Ati Vishishti Seva Medal, Vishishti Seva Medal, with 40 years of illustrious career in the Indian Army. Welcome, sir.
1: Thank you, Poonanji. Thank you so much for getting me on your show.
0: There is always one moment in childhood, when the door opens and lets the future in. What is that moment for you?
1: You see, my childhood has been uh, very interesting as well as very educative. I went to a boarding school at the age of six, that is St. Joseph's Sagar. Thereafter, I came into a convent in Rampur where I was a day scholar. I was more of an outdoor person and very, very weak in academics. Nobody could take the last position from me in the school and it went to the extent that I failed in class 7 and I was told to repeat it and I had to sit with my younger sister and that I think became a turning point because I felt very insulted and slighted. And I did well. I taught the class and thereafter life opened up. I appeared for the Rashtriya Indian Military College examination and I passed, and thereafter there was no stop. So I suppose that was a defining moment, and in that, my father played a major role. He had to personally walk up to the sister superior that the head of that institution, and make a personal request, and I felt very bad that a man of his self-pride, and he had to go and bow down in front of, a, uh, you know, the principal of that school. So I suppose when you look at a combination of this incident, based on my father, and the way the school treated me. I think that school did me great work by putting the big lesson in my life that I had to come into a sort of a path which would take you further.
0: So from what I hear, your formative years left an indelible mark on you and were instrumental in shaping you into the fine officer that you have become. And in your own words, self-pride and pursuit of excellence became a habit in these formative years? What was the role of your family? I understand your father helped you a lot. What about your mother?
1: You see, when you look at parentage, when it comes to my father, he gave me two things, in abundance, resources and opportunity. Before I joined RIMC, I could practically play all games and sports. I could go into the forests, and in those days, Shakar was a thing and I learned how to shoot. When it comes to my mother, she was very, very conscious of the kind of people in the sense that she was attached to greenery, nature. And the second thing which she gave you was your sense of values. Never to say anything wrong, never to do something wrong. And that was, I think, the way in which my childhood was shaped. So both a combination of an outdoor person, more military-like I would say, uh, based on my father and the second thing is the value strength which came from my mother.
0: After your initial schooling at uh, the convents, you went to RIMC, Rashtriya Indian Military Academy. Further crystallized your virtues and your strengths, which led you to the National Defense Academy. Can you tell us something about your training at NDA?
1: See, whatever I was at NDA was kind curtsy the RIMC. The true shaping of my life actually took place in the RIMC. Right in the beginning, like I said, uh, you know, I had come first in my younger sister's class. And thereafter, joining RIMC, I got a double promotion because my focus had changed. I became more focused towards what I must do. And that is what started this journey. Now, RIMC gave you friends, RIMC gave you a way of life, it it, it filled you up with so many types of skills which were required to be done at the National Defence Academy. So, by the time I joined the NDA and by the time I passed out of NDA, one was always excelling in everything because the true groundwork had been laid at RIMC. And that is what got me to the best Army Cadet and the Academy Cadet Adjutant, which is the most important. But more than that, I think i made tremendous amount of friends. And those course mates are so lovely and many incidents with them, even later on in life. I think that true friendship and bonding started there.
0: Something about that friendship and bonding that you carry even today, some memories, which are very, very special.
1: Very special, I will say, let's say, I'll just recount one incident to you. Uh, I was running the 40-kilometer speed march in the commando leg. There was a cosmate of mine, we used to lovingly call him dada Borsh, he was running with me, we were the first two running there, just about three-odd kilometers to go, and such was his love and affection, because he knew that I am running for the commando tag. So he tells me, okay Madhvendan, now is your time, I will drop out, you go, because he wanted me to come first. And get the commando dagger. That's the kind of friendship we developed at the National Defence Academy, and that lasts even today.
0: So that means that he was also running for that, gunning for that. Uh... He
1: was not running for the award. Okay. Of the commando dagger. Okay. But he was definitely could have been the person to win the forty-kilometer race.
0: Okay, but that made a lot of difference to you. To
1: my getting. It.
0: So that's what friendship is all about. That is about. all. That's it. So NDA shaped you up into a strong person, and like you said, you have got so many awards there. Now let's move to your uh, tenures as a commanding officer, which was in uh, Siachen Glacier, the highest battlefield in the world, and then a brigade in Chushul, Ladakh. The mountains are your favorite, I guess, because division in Tawang, Arunachal, so all hills and China being everywhere.
1: See, coming to my military career, I'll put it across slightly differently. After all these accolades in various academies and courses and this and that which I sort of got, I did see certain unpalatable things on the borders. And I changed my mind completely. I learned and I felt truly, even as a very young officer, that to kill, destroy is not the mandate that you have. The armed forces are mandated by the people of the nation to function in a particular manner at the moment. It's not my personal decision. Nobody wants unnecessary killing or spoiling the atmosphere in which the two governments are working to come to a certain agreement and settle certain issues. I am no one to spoil that. I am no one to create troubles in that. Yes, what you may think, the other side may not think accordingly. So you have to be prepared. You have to keep your powder dry and be on guard. Create deterrence, but don't create trouble. This was something very important which started very early. There are a number of incidents which I can go on counting. But it was a major lesson in the early stages of my service. Later on in life, the first and foremost thing was there is no casualty to your own troops in any way, for something foolish or some foolish instruction that you may I was very conscious of that fact. The second thing was, between the two sides on the border, create an environment in which the higher functions can come to a better agreement. And this is what I did consistently. I mean, I can give you examples. Like for example, at Cheshur, as a brigade commander, I was sitting in Moldo garrison with my counterpart, and I told him I want a one on one with you, which was quite surprising for the PLA officers who were there. But they finally did agree to have a one to
0: one. If I may stop you here, what is PLA?
1: That the People's Liberation Army of China. Now, when I spoke to him, I told him very frankly, I said, Look, both sides have signed an agreement, your prime minister in our prime. Still, there is a policy framework which is being laid down to resolve the border. Why are we sneaking into each other's territory and spoiling that atmosphere? Let it be resolved at the higher level. We are soldiers, we'll fight when it comes to... I think the understanding took place. And 23 months that I stayed there. Not a single incident of the PLA straying into our territory. So I think that is a greater gain Rather than creating some little uh, incidents here and there, which do not help the overall aim, this is what I am trying to get at, has been the way in which I have worked in the military This is the way I feel leadership at higher level must function. The same thing happened in Nagaland. number of places that I have been to, whether in insurgency or otherwise. I'm in a small incident of Nagaland again. The NSCNK, we had wanted them to come over ground. There were a lot of fratricidal, you know, shooting which was taking place, death every day. Well, some things happened, some incidents happened, and in the way we tackled it, I got a call from the defense, self style defense minister of NSCNK to meet. And it was so arranged. I went all by myself, stayed with them for five hours, all alone, discussed everything. And finally, the N S C and K, two months later, agreed to uh, sign a peace accord. So, what I mean to say is, you function for a higher aim. It is not a matter of killing five, you know, underground uh, people or terrorists or whatever we may like to call them. They are still our own, and that is the way life worked.
0: So, what I could understand here is that you are not looking at just your tenure the short-term benefits of just doing my work and leaving the place.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: You thought about the larger interest. In the army, I've heard that the wives are called the force multipliers. Wedded to the olive green, the role of the wife takes a different magnitude altogether. They have never been uh, trained for anything. How do you think they handle so much? And what has been the role of your family, your wife, your son? in supporting you in the different kind of lifestyle that they have led?
1: See, firstly, in a general way, then I'll come down to Ranjada, my wife. In a general way, there are few things which have to be guaranteed to us all. The three things guaranteed are protection for use of force, respect and care. A lot of times, this last word, care, is not properly understood. Everybody thinks that medical facilities and a canteen and some messes here and there and, you know, that's that's taking care. That's not truly the care. That is only the cosmetics or establishments or institutions which are helping you to uh, give care to your soldiers and their families. The true care actually comes from, like there is a leadership of the officer who cares for his men on the battlefield or in operational areas. Likewise, the care for the ladies and children has to take place through someone. And that's the role of our ladies. Regrettably, in my service, I did find that a very large number of ladies don't understand this role or the necessity for this role. Obviously, it's not specified anywhere in any military act or something. It is supposed to come spontaneously from you within. That is why you are helping your husband do whatever he's doing. And you are trying to do your best for him, for that organization, of which the ladies and children are a part. Any lady who understands this will do her responsibility very correctly. When it comes to Ranjana, on our marriage, I requested her before marriage that look, you are going to now get wedded to a person who is what he is, and you have to leave your job, because your job will now be within the armed forces. She had a class one job in the Ministry of Agriculture she left it and she became totally devoted to what had to be done in the huh? and since then till today I think she has done whatever was correct whatever needed to be done for her. officers wives, soldiers wives, children, schools, establishments, children with uh, disadvantages let's say, their physical attributes not being adequate and a number of things like that. She has contributed in the But I would also say that she also contributed outside the military circle in managing the civil population in border areas and making them understand our requirements. And in a lighter way, if I may say, number of times when visitors used to come to Lukung. this is on the banks of the Pegangso and Chishul, beautiful place that it is and I used to have certain work to do and I would ask Ranjana Maneka you go and conduct so and so over there and she even knew how to give out landmarks and tell who's where and uh, do what, she had done everything. So I suppose ladies have phenomenal capacity and they handle a situation. It happened in IMA, present uh, King, United Kingdom, then Prince Charles, he visited us, Lady Camilla came. And the way she conducted, Lady Kamala and the two were like great friends at the IMA. So I think ladies have their own place. But if they understand their role correctly, they will do a tremendous job for the armed force. Which is a necessity.
0: So basically it is teamwork. Yes. I've heard a lot about your training, your physical, your mental, uh, but something that really you know i'm curious
1: about is your spirituality uh, my mother was very pious and religious and one learned certain basics from her but i think for me right from the childhood stage spirituality meant doing what you had to do correctly there is a big difference between morals values and ethics which i think are well known to the environment and i have always tried to Follow the ethics laid down for a particular organization. And that to me is spirituality. It is there in Gita. So I value the thoughts of a warrior as enshrined in the Gita. I also became responsible for the military police of our army. And I coordinated certain aspects of the naval and the air force polices. And I did see certain, on the underbelly of our system, you know, where we... And weak, and as we grew higher one tried to set it right I have not been much of a person who is sitting in you know, various religious establishments and institutions but I do respect all of them that is something, a grounding which took place in RIMC we all, always had a church we had a mandir, we had a masjid and we used to go for all these functions together
0: you have been uh, part of China study group if I may ask, what was the necessity of that particular study?
1: I was posted as a brigade commander to Chishul. And uh, you earlier said that my life was in the mountains and mostly on the China front. You'll be surprised. Till that time, as a brigade commander, I had never, never been posted on any frontier related to China. Never confronted me, the PLA. But when the task was given, I decided that I must do the best possible. So what happened was that one spent a lot of time in getting it, preparing yourself. And then I realized that there were voids in our information. There were voids in our beliefs of what could happen and what may not happen. I decided to highlight these voids in our system. I was very fortunate that the core commander there became interested. So did the army commander, and that army commander later became the chief. And based on that, few presentations which had taken place on the voids that seemed to be there with understanding the PLA way, way of working, and what could happen and what may not happen, it was decided in a very correct manner by the army headquarters to order a study group. So I became part of the study group and helped and a number of wonderful officers were chosen to be part of this you know, study group. Now this is the time of around 2005. What it primarily did was to bring focus back to the northern bodies and very correctly done and a large number of things happened and things started changing for the better. The China study group did awaken the interest of the nation towards the northern borders to get our infrastructure on the right lines. And everything had to be a creation of mind. So only when you are convinced in your mind at every level, then only the, you know, the money will be spent to do what has to be done. And I think that was a greater achievement. I do feel proud of the fact that I was part of the study group, contributed significantly, and maybe in some way triggered it.
0: And I think it was much needed by the nation because problems with China have been there for years and centuries now. Now what I want to listen is a nice message for my listeners.
1: I don't think there is any anything in my life which I've learned, or let's say, if I put it across this way, something which has really impacted me, is a statement by Helmand Kepa And the statement says, status quo is not consensus, it is decadence. Very simply put, anyone who believes in status quo or thinking that things can remain the way they are is showing a sign of a decaying mind. I must do something new. I must always keep improving. And within that, there is another great statement or a definition I'll call it, which I greatly value is by Rumsfeld, an American defense secretary. When he said that you must transform, and he defined transformation, is not doing the same things better, but doing better things. See, to the people or anybody listening to me, I would say transformation and status quo, if we understand it's too important, it'll probably help anyone and everyone to be better.
0: On that note, I thank you so much, General Panweng, for giving your precious time and also the experiences you have shared with us. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Do subscribe and share it amongst your friends and family. Available on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to hit the bell icon for notifications of the next story. For any other information, drop us an email at duty at gmail.com.